This morning, we've been talking about heaven, and we've been talking about going to heaven, and we, show, I went, we went through all of the information about uh, the rapture and the details and so forth and the glory plan, and now I'm kind of bringing the horse. I, I've kind of put the cart before the horse, so now we're putting the cart back where it belongs and the horse kind of, and just talking about the issue of let's go, let's go to heaven. Let's see what heaven looks like. And uh, really the time in between our death and our resurrection and what's going on and, and really kind of why it's important to, to comprehend and to know this. We started this last week, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, really verse 8 is the, the verse. Verse 7, he says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Um, let's, uh, that's a wonderful thing to think about and to contemplate and to consider when, excuse me, you have the issue in chapter 5, the first eight verses here, are, is the status of the believer between death and the resurrection, the rapture, okay? What's their status? Well, we saw last time, come over to Romans chapter 1, we saw last time that, that intermediate state, they're absent from the body, and what? Present with the Lord. Well, where's the Lord? Well, the Lord's in his city, in the third heaven. And we begin to look at that, and we, I, I try to get you to understand that the Lord lives in a city. And as we go and look around heaven and see what heaven is, it's going to be a wonderful adventure. It's going to be a wonderful time for you and I to go and to see and to explore. I don't know if you've ever gone to a new town uh, and visited for any length of a time, and, and you've got to go, you know, look around, see what's going on, and, and go explore. You go on vacation, and usually you've got things set. Last year, Linda and I, we went to northern Arizona and southern Utah and into the national parks up there, Zion and all those places, and I tried to get a day where we could just go look around, you know, not have to rush in and you know, get up when we wanted to, you know, you're in a, come on, no kids, no, no phones, nothing to worry about, just get up when you like, that doesn't work well for me, you know, I'd never get up, <laughs> we'd just stay, you know, but you go and you look around and you investigate, well, you know, we're going to be able to do that with heaven, but the wonderful thing is, is now, right here, right now in time, you already have an understanding or you can gain an understanding in what heaven is really going to look like. Look at Romans 1. Look at verse number 19 and 20. Now, I, we looked at these last time, but I want to get into them again here quickly with you. And then we're going to take the next step in looking around. By the way, this is part one. You know what that means? There's at least part two, maybe an eight, okay? So... There'll be some more going on here, but you got to get this in your understanding and in your thinking. When you think about heaven, I don't know if you think about heaven. I don't know if you think about knowing that you're seated in heavenly places. I do. I think about it often because it's where we're going. It's our hope. It, it's it's our end, the end game for us as members of the church, the body of Christ. Romans 1 verse 19 Paul laying out the indictment, the charges against humanity, against sinful humanity. And he says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. 
For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are what? Clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Now, we're not going to get into the doctrine of what's going on, but I want you to see verse 20 very carefully. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are what? Clearly seen. So in the creation, what do we see? The invisible things of him that created them. You see, the invisible, visible, the creation is going to give us an understanding about what heaven looks like. Come over to Colossians chapter 1. I know you have my list. We'll, we'll go as quickly as we can through that, but I, the, I should put on there subject to change. <laughs> Okay, Colossians chapter 1. Don't roll your eyes at me. It's what is Colossians chapter 1, and look at verse 16. Colossians 1, verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth. There's the realms. The realms are what? Heaven and earth. Visible and invisible. There's the dimensions. Visible. Well, what would be visible? Earth. That's you guys. Okay. Heaven would be what? What's the next word? Invisible. All right. Whether they be what? Thrones. Or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. So whether they be thrones. In the, invisible, in the visible realm, do we understand what a throne is? It's government, isn't it? A king sits on a throne. A ruler. In the visible realm, there's a throne. What's in the invisible realm? A throne. There's a power and principalities and dominions. All of those term, terms come back to 2 Corinthians 5 now. Well, you know what? Go to 2 Corinthians 12. We'll just go there. All of those terms of government, guess what? They're in the visible realm, in the earthly realm. I know what it looks like, don't I? And there are, so they are also in the invisible. So if I can understand what's going on over here on the earth and the visible, then I got an idea of what the invisible is like. Pretty simple. Now that was all of the hour last week. That's what I was trying to say. Okay? 2 Corinthians 12, verse number 1. Well, not all I was trying to say, but a good chunk of it. 2 Corinthians 12, notice if you will, verse 1. It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Now, notice Paul describing the event in Acts 14 where he's, left, he's been pulled out of Derby and Lystra, and he's been left for dead. They think he's dead. They've stoned him. <laughs> Paul says, I was caught up to where? The third heaven. I was caught up into paradise. But notice he says, whether in the body or out of the body, I can't tell. So I know something, come on, that when you move from this environment, the visible, into the invisible, guess what? 
It's going to be what? Familiar. It won't be a shock to the system. It's not going to be a, oh, no. Now, it's not going to have the bondage of sin on it because you're in the third heaven. Who lives in the third heaven? Come on over to Revelation 21. Genesis chapter 1 back there, we, we saw, we studied last time about the issue of the three heavens. Revelation 21, in the third heaven, by the way, Paul called it paradise. Does that remind you of someone else that called something paradise? The Lord Jesus Christ says to the thief on the cross, you'll be with me today in paradise. And you know where he went? To the heart of the earth, to Abraham's bosom. Okay? Now, hell in your Bible, hell in the Old Testament specifically, where Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John sit, you need Revelation 21, where that sits, hell had two compartments. One side was Abraham's bosom, and the other side was torments. So somewhere between the resurrection of Christ and the ascension into, into the throne room and Paul in Acts 14 visiting, paradise left the heart of the earth, Abraham's bosom, and went to be into the third heaven, into the city of God. Okay? Where? I don't know. Don't ask me. You can ask. I'm just going to tell you what. I don't know. Okay? But somewhere, that city of uh, uh, Hebrews there, 11 and 12, Hebrews 12, and the city of the innumerable saints of the just men, made, all of that happened. He moves it. Hell, then, Isaiah says, enlarges herself. Hell was created for who? The devil and his angels. And as a lost man, you know who your daddy is? The devil. Ooh. Spiritually, we're talking about here. So guess where you're going to go? where your relatives are going. He moves it up. Revelation 21, verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven was, and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. God lives in a city. And one day, what's that city going to do? It's going to come down and sit on the earth, isn't it? So that's going to tell me something. When we look at creation, remember Romans 1.20? The invisible is what? Clearly seen by the things that are made. Creation is going to begin to teach me some things, and it's going to begin to show me some things about the issue of God bringing his city, his dwelling place, that's where he dwells. By the way, the third heaven is the city of God, just to kind of tell you what that is, okay? And when he comes and comes down and sits, that in creation he's done some things that are going to Make things very compatible with him. Come back with me to Genesis 1. So let's spend just a little time in, Gen in the Old Testament looking at the issue of creation just for the moment. Because, And, and again, I, I think about this, and, and you guys know me. We did that stuff on the dispensational fullness of times and everything a few weeks ago. I like to get out on the edge. I enjoy the edge. Because it stretches my thinking and it stretches your thinking. Okay? And when you begin to think about creation, there's some things in it that you and I, I'll be honest with you, we're just dumb about. We think we know and we don't know anything. 
okay? And you begin to dig, and, and I begin, you begin to look into the issues of creation. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, right? And every, So everybody goes, oh, there it is, woo-hoo, boom, you know, and yet we, then we go, and we don't know what we're talking about. Because when you begin to talk about God's original intent within creation, it is very specific. And it gets to be very dialed down into something very genuine and specific that God was doing with creation. When you come to Genesis 1 and you talk about creation, you have to remember that Genesis is not the oldest book in your Bible. It was not the first book written in your Bible. It's there first because of some things it's laying out with who? What's, well, what's verse 2 say? And the what? The earth. See, Genesis 1, is, Genesis is written with the earth in mind and dealing with Israel and so forth, so it's laid out. The oldest book in your Bible, the first book written was Job. And when Job was written... Job begins to then contain information about creation that, is, that it actually makes Genesis look like not much. Actually, Genesis is an outline. Job brings in the details. The Psalms bring in the details. The Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, they bring in details. The five major prophets begin to add details to the issue of creation. So when he created, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. That's where he did Colossians 1.16, we read just a minute ago, where he creates the, the, the government of, uh, of the universe, and he puts in the government structure. That's where Amos 6 says that he put his stories up in the heavens, and he begins to lay in the information. That's where Job comes along and says, look at what the angels were singing, the sons, the sons of God, the morning stars, as he begins to create, and he begins to shine the light and so forth, and he's doing. Why are they singing? Why is Lucifer the fifth cherub, the cherub that covers? How, why was he created the way he was created and to do what he was to do? Because there's a very specific reason. And it has to do, come on over to Isaiah 45. By the way, I t pulled out a ton of verses to go run and try to pick just a couple big ones here. Isaiah 45. The reason that God creates all that is because he's going to come and dwell and live with his creation. You see, God chose to manifest his glory, who he is, by making a creation that was going to become compatible to himself, become compatible to his city coming and dwelling and living with creation. That's why creation, man, when he made man, he made man with that wonderful thing called volition, free will. Because God doesn't want robots. We got a robot here, it sweeps the floor, vacuums the floor. I watched it one day. It's got a specific route it runs. Do you know if you put something in its way, it has a hard time? Can't, actually can't get around it. Sits there and bumps up against it. It's crazy. God didn't want that. God wanted a creation that willingly, of their own choices and volition, 
followed and served and want to be with him. Isaiah 45 is going to describe for us the creation and God's very specific intentions in doing what he was doing. He had a plan. He didn't just throw it all out there. He had a plan. Isaiah 45, look if you will at verse 18. Isaiah 45, 18. And thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be what? Inhabited. I am the Lord. And there is none else. Oh, I love that statement. Man, boom. You, you know, people think that they're going to pull one over and he's just going to look at him and say, you know what? I'm the Lord. There's nobody else like me. He tells Israel, I've been out there looking all over at all those gods you guys are worshiping. And you know what? There ain't none like me. Nobody like me. But notice in the verse 18. Notice. Now, by the way, prophetically, Isaiah 45 is talking about the Messiah and the setting up of his kingdom, future. All of this in the Old Testament is a dress rehearsal for that big future event when he's going to bring his, king, his kingdom back, his city, and put it here on the earth. Isaiah 45, 18, God himself, notice the, notice the, the details in the verse. He created the heavens. He formed the earth. When you form something, I watch the kids play with Play-Doh. And what do they do with it? Ball it all up, right? And then they begin to form stuff or mash it. You know, I, I like the mash. I'm always a masher. Mash. You know, you take the cookie cutter, makes the forms. What did he do? He formed it and made it. He did it with intention. He measures it out. He doesn't just say, you know what, I was bored today. Let's do something. Let's do something fun. Let's go over here and do this. No, he had a plan. He measures it out. He established. I, I love that. It, he hath established it. Not only did he start it, he went all the way to the end with it. But he formed it to be what? Inhabited. He made creation for him to go live in and to go dwell in. But notice then he says, he created it not in vain. He didn't create it to be empty, useless, worthless, waste of time. You know, sometimes, you know, you, you hear about a city and you'll hear somebody say, ah, that's just the armpit of whatever, you know. That's just a waste, wasteland. No, none of it's a wasteland. He did it with a reason. He had a purpose. Come back to chapter 40 of Isaiah. In Genesis 1.1, when he created the heaven and the earth, he did it with the purpose and the plan of him inhabiting it, coming and living in it, and dwelling in it. Isaiah 40, in verse number 21 he says to Israel, have ye not known? Have ye not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundation of the earth? And you know what the answer to every one of those questions is? Is yes. 
Israel knew. Israel had Job. When Moses pulls Israel and takes them out of Egypt and across the Red Sea, he's got Job under his arm. He's been teaching them the issues. When he looks at them in Deuteronomy and he says, it is the, the Lord's Sabbath, and he lays out the Sabbath ordinances and the day of... And By the way, it's Saturday. It's not just to have a day off, to do nothing. It was designed on the seventh day, God what? Rested. You mean God was worn out? The answer is no. <laughs> in Psalms he says he never is weary. What did he do? He's... Creation was what? Done. The planet is ready to be inhabited. It's ready for me to come and to be. So now what I need man to do is to take a day and pause and think about why I created creation. By the way, you notice the first guy he gave that to was Adam just before the garden event, the fall. Because, Adam, this is what I'm going to do with you. I'm going to come, and I'm going to dwell with you. And I'm going to come and live with you. And I'm going to, and I'm going to, I'm going to be here with you. So we're going to sanctify this day, the day that I'm going to rest. King, my kingdom rest. I'm going to come and be here. Job's taught him that. Moses taught him that. Now, we know the story. Adam didn't, couldn't wait. Decided to, him and Eve decided to do something that God told them not to do. Middle of the week they did that because the next Sabbath day, God was coming back and going to reside with creation. But when the adversary spoiled the deal, he didn't do that. Now, watch verse 22. It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. Well, there's all your flat earther people. What's the verse say? It's a circle. It's interesting. And the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers. I love that. You thought that was on a TV show. Come here, grasshopper. You know, oh, you, you know, well, Kung Fu, thank you. Okay, no, grasshoppers. I don't know if you've ever thought about yourself being a grasshopper, you know. It's, 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 it actually has to do with that thing back up in verse 15. Behold, the nations are as a, what, drop of a bucket. <laughs> you know, you, you know the phrase, you're just a drop, just drop in the bucket. It came from that verse right there, by the way. That's where it comes from. Your English Bible has had tremendous impact on the English language. We get, a, we get more of our sayings that, you know, you hear people use and say from the, English, from the King James Bible than they do anywhere else. Just a drop in the bucket. Grasshopper, insignificant. That's the idea. But keep reading verse 22. That stretched out the heavens as a curtain and spread them out as a tent to do what? To dwell in. Wow, that tells us the idea here of the, not only the shape of the universe, that rectangle shape of the tent, the tabernacle that, that the Lord goes over here and tells Moses to, to do and to build and, the, and so forth, that structure, it's patterned after the heavenly, and it has that rectangle structure. And we've looked at the container thing issue. But I want you to think about the universe like this. 
God created the universe as a what? What's the verse say? As a tent to dwell in. Now, who's going to dwell in it? He is. The Godhead is. And he's going to do it with a creation, the inhabitants of it that are like grasshoppers. And he's going to come in and he's going to dwell with them and they're going to dwell with him. So if he's going to make a place, come over to Proverbs 3. If he's going to make a place, a tent that he's going to dwell in, don't you think he's going to make it compatible with his city, with his dwelling place? Don't you think, he, he, again, he's chosen to make a creation where he can manifest his glory in a geographical area over there in the land of Palestine, the Middle East. And when we begin to think about what heaven's like, you need to keep this in mind that when God created the earth and the universe, he created it so that it was compatible with himself. Okay? He didn't create it with sin. The adversary brought that into the equation, Genesis 1, 1 verse 2. Okay, we'll talk about that in just a minute. But what's going to happen here is, is when he created everything, and he goes through the creation process, he made it so that he could come and live and dwell in it. How exciting is it going to be to go out and to explore heaven? To see what it's all about. Look at the countryside. There's a countryside of it. There's a city side. There's going to be people in there. There's going to be animals. There's going to be everything that you and I interact with today is going to be there. Minus the bondage. Minus the corruption. And when you begin to think about that, for me anyway, it gets exciting. But it also gets manageable. That it's not a mystical, oh my goodness, I can't get it, but rather, you know what? I can get this. I can comprehend this with all the saints. God took, an, took the environment that he lives in, in the third heaven, and he put it in a tent, the universe, for him to dwell in, to be able to demonstrate the way and to live. And he's, think about an interior decorator. What do they do? They come in and they got an idea and they just go, no, they don't, do they? We're going to put that here. We're going to put this there. We're going to go over here and we're going to do that. Come over to, you're in Proverbs 3. You see, when God created that, he didn't just come in like the kids do in the sandbox and throw it to the wind. He did it very specifically on things that he needed to be done. 3.19, the Lord by wisdom hath formed the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down. Do You see, he had a plan. By wisdom, by understanding, by knowledge. Proverbs 3.19 and 20. You see, he... He didn't just come in there and go, you know what, I feel like sun goes over here and moon goes over there and the da-da-da-da-da and the Milky Way, just see where that bounces. He didn't do that. He had a plan. 
And when he created the universe, he knew what he was doing. He had a design to it. And there's some intentions in that design. Go back to Genesis 1. and Get Genesis 1 and... Uh, oh, foot. Jeremiah 4. Got to get two passages. Genesis 1 and get Jeremiah 4. And then we'll get Job 38 and Isaiah 40. No, Genesis 1. You see, folks, he was ex in Genesis 1.1, he's executing a plan. Now, notice verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Something happens between 1.1 and 1.2. Now, out there in the, in the Yakville, they call it the gap theory. You can call it whatever you want, Okay. How long the movement between the two verses are, I don't know. Nobody knows, nor does it matter. Okay? Some people say six million years. That's why you can do this and that. <laughs> show me the verse. Show me. Don't give me this. By the way, I love people. I like science. Don't get me wrong. I'm not mad at anybody. But they go, oh, all right. Well, the science says this. Do you realize that when the hurricane rolls into the Gulf, course, the Gulf Coast down there, they've got eight models on where that goofy storm can go. So you know what your science is doing? Guessing. Okay? So I'm not against it, but you just got to think with some maturity there. No matter what it is, between 1-1 and 1-2, you have the fall of Lucifer. You have the adversary. Why? Because of that use of the terminology without form and void. Now, come on, you got that? There is a conflict, a war that begins. Genesis 1-2, and it's going to go all the way out to Jeremiah 4, verse 20, the events of Jeremiah 4-23 when they happen. Now, go to Jeremiah 4-23. I'm getting somewhere with this. Okay, and, and folks, believe me, if somebody asked me if I believe in the gap theory. The, the answer is yes. I just don't know how long it went for, nor do I care. I just know that you have to place the fall of Satan somewhere. And the easiest place to do it is in 1-2 of Genesis because of the use of without form and void. Okay? A conflict started. A war began that will not be concluded until the events of Jeremiah 4 take place. Jeremiah 4, verse 23. I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void, and the heavens, and they had no light. I beheld the mountains, and off he goes. Now, what he's doing in Jeremiah 4 is he's describing the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the the, the bounding up of Satan and casting him into the lake of fire. The, the, seven, the, the lake of fire actually, the, there's no thousand years here. They don't get that till Revelation, okay? You know what he's talking about? The end of it. Jeremiah 4 is talking about the second coming, the setting up of the kingdom, and the end of it. So what do I know? There's a battle that started on day one, you know, in the beginning... Okay, and it goes all the way over here to the end. If I had to chart up, it would be all the way over here to the end. Follow that? When God creates the creation, he's doing it with a plan. One, he's going to inhabit it. 
So it's going to be the way he wants it to be. Then you go over there to Jeremiah, to Job 38. Oh, let's just do it. Come on, let's have some fun. We're off the list. Job 38. Come on over there to Job 38. Job 38. And what he begins to do in creation, folks, I tell you what, I told you I'd cut out a lot of stuff <laughs> because otherwise we'd be here for, for you know, months and years and we still wouldn't get it all. You look at Job 38. Look down there at verse 23. Job 38, verse 23. Which I have reserved against a time of trouble, against the day of battle and war. Isn't that interesting? You go back up to verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understand. Where was Job when he laid the foundations in? He wasn't there. By the way, the foundations of what? For who? For what? For his city to come and to sit and to be. Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. That's Genesis 1-1, folks. He's laid all that stuff in there. Verse uh, 8, or who shut up the sea with doors? The, the sea, the, the heavens, they got doors. How do you think he flooded the earth? He went up there and opened some doors up. And the, there it comes. As it hath issued out of the womb, when I made the cloud the garment thereof, and thick darkness a swaddle, swallowing band for it, and break up it from, uh, for it my decreed place, and set bars and doors. That's the decreed place. That's the earth. You go over to Psalms 132, Psalms 104. And said, Hitherto shalt thou come, but no further. And here shall thou pound wave, the proud, thy proud waves be stayed. I mean, he's got the ordinances in there. Who, verse 12, hast thou commanded the morning since the days and, and caused the day spring, that's the sun, to know his place? What keeps the sun right where it's supposed to be? The ordinances of heaven. That's what does that, Psalms calls it. He put them right there. Now keep reading that it might take hold of the ends of the earth, that the wicked might be shaken out of it. See, there's a wicked on board, isn't there? There's an adversary. It is turned as clay to the seal, and they stand as a garment from which the wicked their light is withholden, and the high arm shall be broken. Hast thou entered high arm, antichrist, the adversary? It's what? It's broken. It's defeated. Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea, or hast thou walked in the search of the depth? Have the gates of death been opened unto thee, or hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? Hast thou perceived the breadth of the earth? Declare if thou knowest it all. Boy, Job just going, huh? What are you talking? Just like some of you looking at me going, huh? Keep reading. Where is the way where light dwelleth? And as for darkness, where is the place thereof that thou shouldest take it? The bond, the, bond, the bound thereof, and that thou shouldest know the paths of the house thereof. Knowest thou it because thou was then born, or because the number of thy days is great? Hast thou entered, and now watch, the treasuries of the snow, 
Or hast thou seen the treasures of the hell, hail, which I have reserved against the time of trouble against it? When he says treasuries of snow and treasuries of hail, you know what he's talking about? Armory. He's talking about, hey, there's a battle coming with that adversary, and when I created the universe out there, I put my ammo dumps in place. I already know the battle plan. I, you know, you know, you're going to go to war, you make a what? A plan. We just had D-Day back here early, first part of June. What did, I watched the, you watch the History Channels, and what do those guys have? They got plans until they get over there and the weather doesn't help and this and that happens and things begin to change. You know, you know the rule, the first shot, <laughs> the plan goes out the window. <laughs> first moment of, moment of contact. You know what God says? God says, when I created this, I have a plan. I know the battle plan. And I have pre-positioned my armory so that when I come down into that universe and I got to go to battle, you know what? I'm not looking for it. I know where the stash is. I know where the cash is, and I can go get it, and we're going to beat and defeat the enemy, the wicked, the adversary. You see how deep this stuff just goes? But God created it that way, so he was what? Comfortable, compatible. He knew where it was. He's going to come and dwell. His original intent was to create a universe and a planet where his city could come and to dwell on it. So you know what he made? He did it with purpose. That's my point. The stuff in Job, again, you just keep reading. I mean, you go over there and you read, you're in Job 38. Look over at 30. The waters are hid as with a stone. The face of the deep is frozen. Canst thou bound the sweet influences of Pleiades or, or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season or cast thou Articus with his sons? Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in earth? See, all this stuff God did. By the way, what he's telling Job, just give you. Man couldn't do this, Job. Only God the creator could. And I'm God the creator. Okay? And I did this with the purpose and with the plan. And the reason is, is because one day I'm going to come and live with you. I'm going to come and dwell with you. And if I'm the creator, have you ever bought a home brand new, new build home? And they, and they take, I, <laughs> mine's been so long ago, I can't say yes anymore. I got to say no, you know. But you know where you go? You go over to the, you, you go in and you, the sales office, and they got this little office over there in the corner where you can go and sit down and pick out your carpeting, your flooring. You can pick out your fixtures. You can pick out what you'd like, okay? God says, I did all of that, dude. And I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that made all the decisions. Because one day, my city is going to come, come over to Genesis 28, and dwell, and be here, and you're going to be with me. Job 28, uh, I shouldn't have did that in 38. I'm sorry, Genesis 28, Genesis 28, because of time. But I just want you to get the, the magnitude of this. I'm just trying to get you to understand that when we go look around heaven, next start next week, we go up in the throne room, we see those guys in white linen, we see them sitting on seats, we hear them talking, we see them go out into the country, and you see there's farming in the country, and there's, 
there's textile industries, and there's, there's um, what do you call the guys that work with gems and rocks? Uh, geologists and all of this stuff. And, you know, there's 12 gates into the city. You know, there's 12 stones, specific stones that are sitting there. Well, all that's got to be worked out. And everybody goes, yeah, well, God could just speak it. But he doesn't want to just speak it. He wants his creation to come and do and to do it willingly and out of a heart of faith and out of a gratitude for who he is as creator. And we already have that in the heaven, the third heaven. Job, uh, Genesis 28. You got old Jacob here. Jacob's on the run. He stole the birthright. He's running. And he ain't running fast. He's he moving. He falls into the, in, into the land area. And he goes to sleep, has a little Job, uh, Genesis, if I say Job again, just shoot me. Genesis 28, verse 12. And he, thank you. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascended and descended on it. Now notice something. Which way was the ladder going? It went into heaven, right? In, in today's culture, you call that a stargate. Or a portal into heaven. By the way, what were they doing in the Tower of Babel? They were trying to do this. Trying to get into heaven, right? No, by the way, notice which way the angels are going. Ascending and descending. That means their throne room is here on the earth. They're leaving the earth, going to heaven, get the job done, come back down. See that? The earth is the issue. Drop down to verse 16. And Jacob awaked. Out of, this, out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Isn't that interesting? This place is what? The house of God. The gate of heaven. You see, by the way, gate... In Scripture, gate is a place of authority. The rebellious child, they took him down to the elders that sat at the gate of the city. Lot sat in the gate of Sodom and Gomorrah, the gate, authority. This is the place. Here's where the gate of heaven, here's where the government of heaven will reside on the earth. He's sitting, by the way, in the land in verse 13, 14, there and 15, that was promised to his Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob. It's confirmed to him. And he says, here is, look at this, look at the confession of Jacob. This is the house of God. Dreadful, not in, oh my goodness, it's bad, but wow, look at this. This is awesome. Because here's where God's going to come and reside, and the government of, of heaven, of earth, is going to go forth. Here is where it's at. Psalms 104, quickly. Psalms 104. Psalms 104, God created the earth as the place where his city, his throne, was going to sit and to be. That's why I tell you the earth is the, center, is the command center of the universe. It doesn't mean that it's the center of the universe. I said what? Command center. You know when God dressed the skies... Well, I'll get ahead. Psalms 104, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. Who coverest thyself with, the, with light 
as with a garment, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, who layeth the beams of his chambers in the water, who maketh the clouds his chariot, who walk up the wings of the wind, who make his angels, spirits, his ministers of flaming fire, who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed. No. How long? Forever. He's the one that laid in the foundation. He's the one that set everything so that his city would one day come and dwell with creation. So that means everything in creation is compatible with him and with himself. Come over to Job 26. Don't shoot. I'm, I'm, it's on purpose. Okay? Job 26. Sorry. I took the gun right out of Greg's hand. Job 26. Folks, I, don't, I get fired up about this, and there's so much more to go through, but I, I would never get to look around heaven. <laughs> but it's right here. You just got to go look at, looking for it. Job 26. Look at verse 7. He stretched out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. He's talking about creation, isn't he? Verse 13, by his spirit he hath, what, garnished the heavens. Do you know that in Genesis 1 when he hung the stars and he put the sun and the moon and the planetary system and he put all that where he wanted it, you know that he did that from the perspective of being on the earth? So that when, the, when you and I and him one day look up into that universe that he would get the glory as the creator. He didn't do it from his perspective from, the up, from up north. He did it from the earth. So that when he created, come back to 2 Corinthians 5, when he made and created the earth and did, he did it so that when you and I, when he would come and dwell with men, tabernacle. I love that tabernacle word. Whew. So big of a word. When he would come and dwell, Emmanuel, God with us, here he is. That he literally moved from one environment, one atmosphere, one into another, and he never skipped a beat. Sin's been dealt with. It's been wiped away. It's been cast off into the lake of fire. His city comes, that new heaven, the new earth. Boom, there he is. And in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8, when you and I, abs we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with who? When we leave this environment, when you die, your body goes in the grave, right? Your spirit and your soul go and be in the presence of the Lord. And where is he? He's in a city. And you can go up and you'll be a part of that city. We have songs that we sing about going down there on the, on the streets of gold, picking up nuggets and putting them, you know. <laughs> oh God. The streets are gold, but I don't think you'll be picking up any nuggets, okay? But you have all that stuff. And folks... He create the first thing you got to remember 
we talk about heaven, is that God created the universe, the earth, to be his dwelling place. So he created it to be compatible with his city. So now next week when we go walk around and we look around, guess what we're going to see? Things we're going to be very familiar with. Seats and chairs, clothes, food, animals, taking care of business. Okay? There's a song. I put, it, I put the chorus on the little handout there. The song is called Finally Home. And I'm not going to sing it, but I want you to just read this. He says, this is the chorus, okay? But just think of stepping on shore and finding it heaven. Of touching a hand and finding it God's. Of breathing new air and finding it celestial. Of Of waking up in glory and finding it home. I've heard that song for years, sung, sung back at home. That's a tremendous, think about that. Stepping on shore and finding it heaven. Waking up in glory and finding it home. And you know what, that's exactly what it's going to be like for us. It's exactly what's going to take place. First thing you got to remember, when God created, he created it for him to come and dwell and live in. So guess what? It's going to be compatible to him. So when we go look in the city, which we'll do next week, we'll go in Revelation 4 and 5 and Revelation 21. We'll go back over here. We'll go there. We'll go run all over the place. You know what we'll find out? We'll find out that when Elijah looked up there and, and saw those horses with fiery flesh, that's how you get the hot seat, by the way. Okay? It's a spiritual realm. It's an invisible realm. But him and his partner got to see that up there. His co-worker got to see it up there. And you know what? Identified it. Think about that. Chariots. Horses. Chariots. Horses require someone to take care of them. Daily exercise. Daily working them out. Chariots require a mechanic. Fix the wheels. Do this and that. Oh, but Rick, there'll be no sin. Yeah, but they'll still need to be taken care of. Their natures don't change. Okay? Easy concepts to think about. Linen, coming from the flax. I'm giving away next week's message. Anyway, come back next week, okay? This stuff gets excited, folks, because we can comprehend it. We can understand it. And we can say, you know what? That's what we're looking forward to. Okay? All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we thank you for the ability to look into your word and to see what heaven is all about, what it looks like, and to see and to comprehend what you were doing when you created creation and why. And as we come and understand our place in that, in the heavenly places, ultimately, that we would do so rejoicing in that doctrine and in that information. In your name we pray, amen. All right, we're going to...